Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. All right, we are going to pass the mic around a little bit today. At the end of May, we are hosting the Illinois High School Powerlifting Association State Championship. So we've got teams coming from all over the state. Uh, at the moment, we have space, given all the COVID regulations, we've got space for about 150 athletes. So 150 invites floating around out there. I've been, I've been seeing a lot of great training going on on social media. And we thought we'd take a little time today to reflect on uh, meets of the past, powerlifting meets of the past, empowerment through strength and conditioning, and all the potential that exists in this, in this arena. It's, uh, it's affected all of our lives dramatically, I would say. I, I hope that's fair. Uh, we've had we've been we've been gifted the opportunity to impact the lives of others using sports uh, strength and conditioning and specifically spe- specific to this episode powerlifting as a learning platform. So uh, I'm going to start with who should we start with? You want to start with your story, your bench press PR story, sure. or is there something else you had in mind? I had something else in mind, but we could give it a go. Uh, let's go with your let's go with your instinct. All right, we're gonna start. We're by the way, just to add some color to this, uh, myself, Coach Miner, Coach Clem, and Coach Pekmez are in a 103 year old brick office building. Uh, I said office building. How fancy is that? It's a freaking closet uh, that we we uh, we put some desks into, um, and we have access to Wi-Fi. So this is our sort of strength and conditioning hangout. It's pretty amazing, and I might try to get some pictures before the end of this, but. Uh, Coach Pekmez. All right, let's up. roll. All right, so um, the last few years now, I've been coaching powerlifting at Nutria High School alongside Coach Davis. And in 2018, I had an opportunity to compete at a collegiate meet down in Galesburg at Knox College in preparation for the meet. It consisted of a few things that we preach to all of our athletes and the importance of sleep, nutrition, um, dedication, being coachable, adaptable, etc. And it was a time for me to step up and do all those things and practice those things leading up to the meet and not just preach it to the you know hundreds of athletes we work with over the course of the week. So I had about two months of preparation that did consist of watching what I was eating for the first time in a while, um, getting good sleep for the first time in a while, um, and actually asking for help from other coaches and other staff members on our staff. So. Those two, two and a half months did look a little different. My lifestyle began to change. Um, I was keeping better track of my sleep, obviously keeping track of what I'm eating, asking for help, just like I said. And results just started to, I mean, I really saw results throughout the weeks, not even at the competition. I'd spend, you know, three, four days a week inside our weight room, the same weight room where our kids train. And now not only was I coaching some of the kids that we were working with or yeah, working within the weight room, but I was lifting with them. So now they get to see this coach who's pretty much just been yelling and helping them and motivating them over the last few weeks. Yelling good things. Yelling good things, actually coaching, actually working out, lifting with them. They're able to see Coach Pekmez get underneath a bench press, see how he trains and what he's capable of and, doing. Okay, so give us give us a little more color. So where did you start off at? Tell, tell us about when you first came back to Nutrier and essentially the evolution that got you to that point. Okay, so when I first came back to Nutrier, I'm just going to jump into it and I'm going to say I weighed in at about 315 pounds. Yeah. I was a very unhealthy individual. I love Domino's. I yeah. still do. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Uh, Panda Express is still up there. But when I came back over at Nutrier, I saw it as an opportunity to really develop as an individual um, and sort of get back into get back into things 
as an athlete, but now as a coach too, considering that I was one of these students a few years prior to that, coming in, coming in, working out, having to take care of my nutrition, et cetera. So I ended up tearing my ACLs in high school. I came back to coach. No, please note, ace plural. Yes, I, t- I tore both my ACL, so I was very limited um, with what I was able to do. And the training did it look a little different for me. And thankfully, there was a bench-only division that I was able to compete in at this meet. So I did just train for the bench press uh, portion only of this. Like I said before, with the training, it was a really cool opportunity to lift with all our kids. And uh, for, for, I mean, oh... I'm not. I'm not getting choked up. I promise. But don't cry. I'm not gonna cry. I'm not gonna cry. Um, but also having them support me was a, was a, was a really cool moment in my life. And having kids, you know, pat me on the back for something I haven't been doing in the last couple years, and haven't been patted on the back for it was just uh, kind of brought me up a little bit more and motivated me to, to compete not just for myself, but also for the kids that we work with considering you spent countless amounts of hours with them inside the weight room. So that influenced me and motivated me in my training as well to really just continue working hard and work alongside them, ask some of our staff for help. And I know Coach Miner and uh, at the time, Coach Romano, Coach Davis helped me with some uh, different techniques and eccentric bench press. And they were helping me and sort of even programming for me, telling me what I should also do on top of my my benching to get me ready. So question for you. Um, give us some day of color. Like how much did you lift? All that kind of stuff. What's sure. The day of life? Sure. The day, of, the day of was really exciting. You know, like I said before, I did train for this moment and going into the meet, I had a goal of uh, benching 370 pounds. That was my goal. I led into it with uh, my first attempt was 315 and it felt like a breeze. It felt really, really great. I went, went out to the back. I repped out 315 a couple more times, came back, and I hit 330. That felt great. Oh. And then I saw 370, and as I was writing 370 in, my mom and my dad were sitting in the stand, like sitting uh, right around, and they yeah, asked me, like, yeah, in the audience, and they looked at me, and they go, what are you doing next? And I told them I was doing 370, and they just couldn't believe that I was making, uh, not just benching 370 pounds, but the jump that I was making from the 330. So my nerves were getting worked up. I was a little anxious, obviously, considering I was the last bencher of the day for this meet. Uh, for this lift and then as i went up to the bench i sort of just kind of i mean i completely zoned in into what i was about to do i thought about all the hard work i put into this i thought about our kids and our students back in nutria high school all the coaches who helped me for this moment i got underneath the bar and i did exactly what i've been exactly what i've been doing the last couple months i took i mean the exact same thing got underneath the bar repped it out it was a successful lift three white cards in the air and that was the end of the day I love that. So you wrote a you wrote an article about this and and do you remember what the opening line was? 370 pounds hovering above my chest. It's like 370 pounds of steel. Yeah, something hovering like above my face. It was excellent. It was so cool. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was it was for me it was a, it was a really cool demonstration of practicing what you preach. And that was at a time and maybe we we talked about this before maybe we get back to um, you know, we, we asked members of our staff to write, present, be experts on subjects. And now that hopefully we're at the back end of this quarantine, maybe we got to make sure that everyone competes in something too, because do you think that that was a valuable learning experience? hundred percent. And you know, it's one thing to always tell your students what, what to do and how to do things and actually step up and, and showing them that you're about it too. And you're going to go do exactly what you've been telling them to do. It says a lot about yourself as a coach 
And I think you start to build more trust with your athletes as well. And they're like, all right, you know what? I'm actually going to listen to this coach. He's going to do it too. He's going to see what it feels like having to train, having to watch your sleep and having to watch your nutrition. And you notice, and you know it in a different and deeper way. Yeah. There's no question that when you had this 370 pounds of steel hovering above your face, you can't learn that in a book. No. You know what I mean? No. Um, the nuances of that shoulder, you know, people tell you stay stable. Well, when you have 370 pounds above your face and you get unstable, now you know just how freaking important that yeah. is. Like, you know, experience matters in that way. Um, our friend, my friend, Coach uh, Scott Caulfield, always, he's got this thing, you, you can't trust a skinny chef. You know, and I and I and I think about that all the time. You've got to if, if you ask people to compete, you should know what competition feels like. If you ask people to train, you should know what it is to train. If you want people to be up, uh, you know, get up at five thirty in the morning for whatever reason, uh, you got to know what that feels like too. Discipline your diet. Okay, start by disciplining your diet. Then you can ask other people too and help them along that journey in a more thoughtful way. So absolutely, I love that idea, Pack. Thank you. Of course. Um, all right. Either one of you, we got Coach Clem and Coach Miner here who also have important stories for us. What do you, uh, either one of you want to take the mic? Hey, folks. This is Coach Clem. Um, yeah, Coach Peckman, is, that was a great story. Thanks, I didn't, man. I don't think I heard all of it before, really? but it was, yeah. Check was out actually, the article on Beyond Strength. I do need to read that. What was not mentioned, to be fair, what was not mentioned was um, the Taco Bell treat. Uh, can you fill us in? Right, I know look, when Coach Nadalna edits this, he would be upset if you didn't tell us about look, that. Look, I know I said this uh, a little earlier in regards to how much I love Domino's and Panda Express, but Taco Bell is number one by far. And if I have 40 bucks in my pocket, I know exactly where I'm going and I'm not going to have a penny left. Um, I will be more than happy to explain everybody my order next time, but it's a beefy order, no pun intended, <laughs> and um, no regrets. Absolutely zero regrets. <laughs> no regrets. The uh, coach Nadalma always jokes that, just so you know, that uh, when they see his car <laughs> driving up to the drive-through in Galesburg, Illinois, they call in their backup staff. To, uh, they, <laughs> yeah, they don't know what to do. They got to fire up the extra grills. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anyway, well, that's actually a good segue. So I had a similar background to Pac-Man. I participated in some powerlifting meets of my own. Um, coach Pac-Man and I uh, went to high school together. Uh, unfortunately, we never competed together, uh, so I didn't get to see his kind of raw strength or how strong he is now. But quick... so, so on top of uh, tearing my ACLs, I split my palm open, uh, palm open, uh, right. jumping a fence, playing backyard football. That's right. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> I, I think I do remember that. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll give you a brief story about uh, powerlifting me that I went to in high school. Uh, I'm not going to name any names, um, but if. You are listening. I hope you remember this story. Um, I think it was my junior year. Um, we went to Oklahoma City for uh, National High School Powerlifting Meet, so NASA. Yeah. Um, and our first day there, we were also, it was before weigh-in, so we are still trying to uh, watch what we were eating. I think the first meal we had was a, like a small salad. Like three, three 180-pound-plus guys shared a Caesar salad with no dressing and maybe like a piece of, um, chicken breast amongst the three of us. So we were really watching what we were eating. Uh, weigh-ins were that night. So I think we all weighed in, we made weight, and then the night of, we decided to go out and kind of celebrate making weight. Uh, we went to this kind of southern, really greasy uh, place where they had fried steak, 
Sweetie, a bunch of oh, uh, sweet potatoes. What was the name of that place? Do you remember? My mouth's watering. I, know. I, I would know. <laughs> I, yeah. But everything was fried. There was definitely no salad served there. <laughs> um, and the three guys that had uh, eaten salad the, earlier that day decided to each get a fried steak. Now, one of my buddies uh, who had been cutting away pretty aggressively yeah. a couple of weeks beforehand um, had a whole steak to himself, maybe like two gallons of sweet tea. Um, he just, he yeah. was like, re, they were like, refill? Yes, yes. Yeah. He never said no. It was um, it was amazing. So not only did uh, he kind of wolf that down, we decided to get Sonic afterwards, mm-hmm. which normally isn't so great for your system, but he decided to get like two servings of ice cream with that as well. Um, and he was just stoked about making weight and like having good food finally. So it wasn't until like maybe bedtime, everyone's feeling good. We decided to get to bed early around two or three o'clock. And so this guy was my roommate. So we were sharing um, a room. I wake up two or three o'clock in the morning and I just hear like vomiting, just retching all night long. And I go and I check up on this guy and he's bent over the toilet, puking his brains out. Hmm. Um, And I wasn't sure what was happening. So I remember calling Coach Davis, like just a little alarmed at how much uh, stuff was just coming out. Just how much vomit. Yeah, It was a little concerning. I knew I, uh, we were both competing the next morning, so I tried to get some sleep. Uh, eventually, I think his vomiting stopped, either that or I fell asleep, I can't remember. Um, but the next morning, yeah, he just woke up, he was pale, he was sweating. And short story, basically he had overdone it with all the sugar and the grease from the night before. And everything, his body just rejected that kind of uh, fat and sugar, which his body was not used to. It was wild. I'm going to add, and and this is sort of as a cautionary tale. Um, I think he, he was, I'm not convinced he cut in a healthy way. I think he probably cut too much too fast and wasn't healthy. So I don't think his body was used to digesting much at all. And then that, that dinner you mentioned, he had country fried fried steak and Mm -hmm. unlimited like supply of sweet tea. I remember this very specifically. He got, um, he got fried okra. (laughs) He got, um, uh, what do they call it? Like Southwestern egg rolls. I remember because they had black beans and corn oh, in them. He, yeah. It was just loads and loads. They had fried mushrooms. Pac-Man, you would have, yeah, seriously. Uh, you would have loved it. They, um, but yeah, and, and I, got a, I got a call that morning saying so-and-so is sick in the bathroom. He's been puking all night. And I think by the time I got over there, uh, he he had like a bucket in the hallway or something like that. Or you maybe you or just just outside the bathroom. But he to his credit, he um, he wasn't sick. He had just sort of made himself sick by this drastic undulation of no calories to more loaded on calories than most people ever will be in over the course of an hour. And um, not me. Not fair enough. Fair enough. And then, uh, but he competed the next day. He was the whole day. He would like sit between reps and with a, next to a garbage can. Yeah, but. I think he puked a couple times in between. Like from going from uh, squat, he would do a set, go puke, go to the bathroom, come back, trying to gather himself, and then do his lift and then go puke again. So, dude, and there are some. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. not self fun. Yeah. There are some people, and, and he, didn't he go to the military? Yeah, the Marines. There are some people who really thrive on that sort of physical and psychological challenge coach minor your thoughts so i have not competed myself as much in powerlifting but we're hosting the state powerlifting meet in a couple weeks here and i love to be a part of that because i think any athlete or coach could agree there's some piece of strength involved with any sport you do any athlete you're working with and the competitive nature of a powerlifting meet is just put on display 
for uh, for the competition. So I love that we have not only powerlifters competing in the meet, but also just strong athletes who like to lift. Mm -hmm. And that's my favorite part of having the meet is seeing some of these kids come in who are just excited to just try doing what they've trained in competition yeah, and letting that be the sport, not the supplement to their sport. So I'm excited to see that again this year. We missed out on it last year, of course. So it should be a good atmosphere to compete in what they've missed in training for a little while. I, I, I couldn't agree more. What, what's one memory that stands out to you from, from this meet in particular? From this meet, um, the last time we were at a state meet, we had a swimmer, a girl swimmer compete, who was always one of the strongest girls on the team. And I remember she was on, I was working as a ref on her rack and she was being taught how to do bench press at the, during warmups at the meet. And because, you know, as a swimmer, we didn't really do flat bar bench very often. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, he's kind of protective of their shoulders there. And she was at a rack with a lot of bunch of strong girls. And I felt a little bit bad for them because they were a little bit offended almost by this fact they were competing against somebody who's never done what they're competing in. But she was just like really into the idea of showing how strong she could be with it, even though she didn't have any experience with it. And she, she crushed it. Mm -hmm. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I I love that. I, I remember the person in the moment, um, and yeah, she was the head swim coach, head girl swim coach. I had sort of reached out. We had a we had a spot to fill in our girls roster. We're like, hey, your girls have been training really hard. We'd love to offer at least one of them this opportunity. And yeah, the, the, first of all, the boldness that that takes, the confidence though, like it's this combination of yeah, she's bold in the sense that you're teaching her the uh, bench pause. You know, you're teaching her the cadence of competition lifting at the meet, but. But that doesn't that doesn't happen on accident. She had been training for four years plus, um, not in the same way, but she'd been training, so she was comfortable in the environment. She was sort of competitive by nature, incredibly gifted physically, just by nature, and she stepped up to the challenge. So I would I would to pull us all together, I would agree with that, Rob, totally. The thing that we appreciate most about the Illinois High School Powerlifting Association, which is a which is an offshoot of the Good Athlete Project, one of the first ones we came up with, was. Um, there, there seems to be a need in powerlifting and here, and here's how I would explain it. Powerlifting as a sport is essentially identify a timeline and a goal, train hard, train thoughtfully, be intelligent. Like you said, with your, with your rest, with your nutrition, all the things that go into it, and then put your best self on display, uh, on the day of the competition in front of other people with a little stress and challenge little additional uh, atmosphere there. It's a cool sport. You can learn a lot from it. And you don't have to be 315 pounds benching almost 400. You don't have to be tattooed listening to heavy metal, although I have no problem with that. I just want to be clear. Um, But it's such a valuable learning environment that you'd hate for like the Instagram-based stigmas to stand in the way of inviting other people into that space. So... Um, the Illinois High School powerlifting, everything we run is co-ed. We don't have a meet that's not co-ed. Um, we, we have four sort of tenets, character, culture, equity, and service. Everything we do uh, has a heavy dose of all of those things. We often commit our events to a specific cause. The state meet has always been sort of focused on mental health, um, and there's a reason for that. Um, 
that we don't necessarily have to go into in this podcast, but it is important to the message um, and everything that we're about. Uh, we ask at those meets, are you strong enough for a tough conversation? In fact, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to say a little bit about it because that'll fold into my final story and why this stuff is so valuable. So we saw the opportunity a long time ago. It's In fact, when you guys were here, we were hunting for a meet and we couldn't find one. Okay. So uh, eventually we did, but we had to go all the way up. You were there. You found the picture not too long ago. We went all the way up to Sheboygan, Wisconsin for a meet. The next year we brought a group in um, we, and it had a dual meet. Then the next year we had three teams. The next year we had five teams. All of a sudden we've got 10 teams, 100 plus people, and we're hosting these state caliber meets. The next year after that, we start having regional competitions that feed into a big state meet. And in the last two years pre-quarantine, we had uh, invite only, 200 people, invite only, co-ed, powerlifting meets that were some of the biggest that I have ever seen, eight stations. And I don't know if anyone listening has ever been to a powerlifting meet, but eight stations is uh, four times the amount of stations than the previous largest meet that I've been a part of. So, I mean, this is, this is a big undertaking. So as I say that, thanks to all the volunteers who've been absolutely unbelievable over the course of the years, it takes 50 to 70 volunteers on the day of the meet, depending on how all the logistics work out. Anyway, we routinely fold character development language into the meets. So after we squat, we do this sort of group exercise and you can imagine 200 lifters, X amount of fans, a couple more hundred people. And we just squatted and they're screaming and there's metal and there's whatever records breaking on a good year, most years. And then we slow it down and we sort of ask people to, to do a mental exercise with us, which is so out of character for what some people might think of when they think of powerlifting meets. So we slow it down. We say, okay, look, you just opted into this really hard thing. You went down and then back up with as much weight, as much pressure as you could possibly handle. Um, at the bottom of that, the easy thing to do would have been stop, but you didn't, you tried, right? You tried to go back up at, at its hardest, you kept pushing through. And what we do is we ask people to come back to that moment and then try to name it. What was it? We'd ask the kid, like, is that grit? Is that resilience? What would you name that capacity? And then the hope, and we always sort of layer this in is now project forward. Is there another time in your life when you can call upon grit or resilience in a different setting and sort of be empowered by the fact that you've already been there. You know, so to really layer these things in and what what a cool and empowering moment that is. Anyway, fast forward to the end of the meet, we always do something for um, our team embrace cause, which is all about embracing the conversation of mental health in athletics. We ask that sort of provocative question, are you strong enough for a tough conversation? We ask this at the powerlifting meet. Um, and at the last one, after the last one we had in person, we had a young person come up to me after the meet in tears um, and she gave me a hug. This is not, not one of our kids from an opposing school and then and pulled her sleeve up and she had scars and she had been battling with this with some really significant mental health concerns and um, sort of said, look, the, the routine, all the good things going on in the weight room have really been a support for me and I'm so grateful that you and everyone here like talk about it, acknowledge it, and are willing to sort of pull the curtain back uh, for other people because there's a lot of people out there suffering. So that's sort of my um, one of my most poignant moments from all these years. So <clears throat> here's what I think I heard today. Rob mentioned sort of equity of opportunity. 
right? Any athlete who's willing to train can come jump in. You gave, Clem gave a sort of a cautionary tale, uh, which is very, you know, it's all about self-awareness and deliberate practice and a cautionary tale about um, someone who I think thought that they were doing something really valuable, overdid it just a touch and, and went overboard and sort of paid the price for it, but still sort of suck, stuck it through and, and, and performed even in the face of that. And Big Pack, you gave uh, an example of sort of practicing what you preach, learning by doing. And I think there was a little bit in there of also uh, by putting yourself out there, ingratiating yourself to those you teach just that much more. Does that sound right? Yeah, absolutely. And just the growth mentally and like the growth mentally and physically throughout the process and just being mm -hmm. able to, you know, come healthier, lose some weight, but at the same time feel happier and felt like I did something great yeah. the last couple of weeks or a couple of months throughout that training. And I would say that you did. So anyone who's interested, reach out to us. Obviously, we're at Good Athlete Project um, on Instagram, but also check out at IHSPLA, Illinois High School Powerlifting Association, IHSPLA on Instagram and Twitter. May 29th, we're going to be hosting the state championship again. It's going to be all outdoors, all outdoors. Another sort of first of its kind moment um, in the history of this organization. So we're pumped about it and we hope to see you there. Do you need business cards? Do you need flyers, posters, custom thank you notes, or any sort of stationery to take your business to the next level? If so, then you've got to see the good people at Mighty Printing. They've got two locations. One of them's up north in Glencoe, Illinois. The other is right in the heart of Chicago on 180 West Washington Street. They do most of the printing for the Good Athlete Project, and we just could not do our business without them. They've also worked with teams like the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. They've worked with Let Us Entertain You Restaurant Group. They do holiday cards. They do wedding cards. They help you. They help you not only celebrate special occasions, but make them that much more special. And like I said, if you are a small business owner or a large business owner, they will give you the sort of personalized service combined with incredibly high quality goods. You just can't find that combo, honestly, anywhere else. Find them online at mightyprint.com. That's M-I-T-E print, P-R-I-N-T.com. And on Instagram, same thing, at mightyprint, M-I-T-E print. And tell them the Good Athlete Project sent you.